Welcome to the I Am Podcast. My name is Carl Weaver, and I am the website content manager at I Am. If you have any suggestions for the I Am Podcast, you can email me at carl.weaver at iamovers.org. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. We want to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash iamovers slash message. I will also put the link in the show notes so you can click on it right there. One of the stories I can share with you that I think that, that, that really stuck in my mind. Um, before I set up my own company, uh, I can definitely tell you that as an employee of a, another removal company whose name will, 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 will remain um, unscathed and unmentioned in the, on this point. Uh, so I was actually a, a move coordinator for this company. And um, whilst engaging with a client, and it was totally verbally over, over uh, phone conversations, um, the, the abridged version is that we had, uh, he had made some very, very specific uh, requirements for his move, which was, um, don't call me uh, after a certain time, only email me and, um, and, and only engage with me via email. Don't, don't ever call me. If I call you, take the call. And, and anyway, whilst we thought that some clients are very special and this one was going to be uh, particularly difficult, uh, the long and short of it was that we ended up doing his move on a very specific date on a very specific time. Uh, and after we'd done the move, everything went well. The following day, uh, I got a phone call from, uh, from, uh, uh, from his wife, who had basically screamed down the phone saying, where the hell is all of my furniture? I've got, I, I've been left here with, a, with, a, with what I can only assume is branded tape. I've called the number. Where the hell is, I, I, I feel like I've been robbed. And it only dawned on us at that point that he obviously divorced this woman and had basically taken the whole stuff and shipped that overseas. But we'd obviously had to, <laughs> we'd never engaged with her. So I kind of found, I felt like the, I felt like I wanted the earth to swallow me whole and just say, oh, please, I don't know who you are. I haven't engaged in conversation, but we actually had to have a, we had to come clean and tell her what had happened. And she, she basically tried to find out where the hell all of her worldly possessions were. Wow. So did, did she get that stuff back or, or you're like, Hey, I'm just doing a job here. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, we, we kind of innocently said, well, you know, we, we, we have engaged in, in this, you know, can, can we, uh, can we, uh, we just passed it on to senior management and we ne I never heard anything more of it, but it was like, this woman was, as we say, effing and blinding and, and she was really intense on the phone with us, but we were like, we have a moral issue here. Do we talk to her or not? Cause we actually haven't signed a contract with her and, 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 you know, Back, we're talking about probably 15, 16 years ago, something like that. But we were like, uh, you know, do do we do we continue a conversation with her? But it was just the hilarity of saying, "Wow, this guy actually managed to manipulate us. We moved and packed and shipped his home uh, mm -hmm. without the knowledge or understanding that there was someone else involved." And uh, yeah, lo and behold, the following day, she kind of screamed uh, and, oh, and came to us like, with, with with screaming daggers. <laughs> wow that's really something 
Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, it's safe to say. I mean, imagine getting home today and finding that the whole everything, literally everything that you own, is just not there. It's just like this ghost effect. As yeah. much as I felt sorry for her, it's like, uh, what can we do? But I'm sure, I'm sure people have. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that there've been many of those kind of ghost moves before. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Thank goodness I've never had that happen to me. But I, I'm sure that has happened quite a bit over the years. <laughs> Well, I, I, I had a, I had another uh, a, another funny moment. We, we get the majority of our work, by the way, we get a, a lot of our work through word of mouth. So obviously you understand that clients are your best ambassadors. And um, I had one, uh, I, because I'm based in Northwest London, which is a particularly Jewish uh, area, um, we had one recommendation uh, uh, to a particular customer and uh, she was a single mom and we were told, listen, you know, look after her because she is um, recently divorced. She has many mouths to feed and please do what you can. And, and that's it. So anyway, um, whilst, uh, whilst we had a, uh, whilst I did the survey, obviously um, looked around the house and obviously had engaged um, in conversation with this uh, specific customer. And she, yes, she had, I think three or four kids at the time running around the house, whatever. Uh, and, you know, uh, one of the words that, uh, one of the sentences that you always want to hear as a, as a, a as, as someone who's about to close a deal, you always know like a, a pre-close from a customer is always a, so so what forms of payment do you take? So I very innocently had said, well, we accept all forms of payment. And she kind of looked at me and gave me the eye saying, all forms of payment. And I looked and the penny had dropped and I said, well, except <laughs> electronic payment, cash, check, card, you know. <laughs> Suddenly I realized what she was insinuating and I just said, thank you. <laughs> no, payment is in money, uh, money into the account. That's it. That's the, that's the only form of legal tender that we'll accept. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. <clears throat> yeah, that's a, uh, that's a new one on me. I, you know, I've heard the, you know, I, well, I'm not going to get into it, but I've heard similar stories in other industries, but, uh, yeah, that's a. I never heard about that in the movie industry. I I have I, I very very rarely blush, but that actually made me really embarrassed. And I, I, yeah, I was I was red like a tomato, and I literally left and 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 I, I yeah promptly said my thank yous and I swiftly left that that the premises. <laughs> but the the follow up question there: Did you get the job? Yes, we did. All um, right. Very very happy, and she she continued to uh, to to recommend us to other people, but. Um, yeah, that was that was quite a few years ago. I, I don't know what sort of jokes to make because yeah, you know, I don't. Uh, I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can hear you digging. I can hear you digging your own grave there. <laughs> yeah, I don't so want that, Chuck White to call me and say, "Did you really say that on our podcast?" And I, yeah. Oh. So funnily, funnily enough, this is this is exactly the reason why. Like a, lo a lot of friends that I reached out to have said. Hmm, this is the reason why I cannot say what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> you see, members can say that, but the staff can't. Well, what you have to understand is that when 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 people move, I, I think uh, I, I'm I'm sure that people can probably resonate with what I'm about to say. But you you effectively do become like an extended part of that family because. I think a lot of it is, is not just about reputation, it's also about trust and it's also about 
how well a you get on with the family and how well they can bounce off of you and 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 that all that all is kind of fundamentally about trust and 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 being uh, being a people person's industry you do have to kind of find a way in which to engage with people and, and also become very trustworthy very quickly so it helps when the business comes as, as kind of word of mouth i guess you kind of don't have to screw up when you're in the survey or when you're meeting with a client to to, to kind of win the job but it is that's why i think that this is a huge privilege because whilst whilst i have some friends who do other things in different industries they, they always laugh at me and they they always kind of that you know that they, they always joke at me saying wow it is amazing how you can walk into someone's house that and you don't you know you sit from the outside but within a matter of minutes you know what the rooms are what the setup is where everything is and it, it just seems weird that someone will trust you and you can like scramble through their kitchen within a matter of minutes find out yeah. where everything is yeah but that's that's a power of uh someone saying yeah uh, call ben shiner he's gonna treat you right he'll uh uh, you should hear how I offered to pay him, you know, something like that. Uh, Don't joke. I, I reckon they do have those conversations, and that's kind of what's sometimes really scary. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there are, as I said, there are some real privileges. I, I, I guess it leads me on to the, 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 the third opportunity, the third story that I had. And this was actually last summer. I mean, this was the most, um, I, I have plenty of others, and so, some are some are PC stories, some are non-PC stories. So I'll keep this uh, politically correct for now. But um, the, the one the one thing that I would say is that last uh, last summer we were asked to um, to do a delivery for a new incoming ambassador of a, a very esteemed, established embassy here in the heart of London, and uh, we moved uh, we moved all the goods into store. Uh, and we had uh, we had their head of security and, and various um, they were almost like MIBs <laughs> coming to join us to oversee everything that we do. And they were like every five meters that we that we moved any of their things. They were like, right, right. Yeah, you can continue. <laughs> so anyway, on the delivery, um, we parked the van outside the, uh, the ambassador's residence and um, all the goods it had to go through a really weird process. So the goods had to go from the van into the courtyard of the of the um, uh, of the ambassador's residence, where um, because it was an ambassador move, um, they had to use the Metropolitan Police sniffers dogs. So they had to make sure that because they had diplomatic immunity, even though they're coming into English uh, soil, they had to check that the, the the sniffer dogs would check that they're not bringing in any nar narcotics or anything illegal. So double handling once again, off the, off the van into the courtyard, from the courtyard into the property. Um, and safe to say that whilst we were getting along with Metropolitan Police, there came a one point where um, the new ambassador with the family was stood on, this, uh, on, the, on the steps of their home, like graciously happy to see and, and be reunited with their worldly possessions once again. And I, at that time, I'd said, okay, because we were so busy, it was such a high profile and important move. Uh, I put myself on, a, on, a, uh, on the job with a couple of porters, um, one of whom had literally walked 15, 20 meters from the truck into the courtyard uh, and accidentally slipped and fell on the floor uh, in front of the ambassador and the family, said family with kids and everything. And, and, and we'd heard something smash and crash and we thought, oh God, right. 
So anyway, I said to him, don't worry, you stay on the truck, you give it to me and I'll go and do the delivery just so it's all good. I did an exact carbon copy of what that guy did. And oh. uh, once again, it was just one of those moments I just wanted to say, oh my God, just can, any, can anything please just go right today? <laughs> so, you know, all the credibility, all the good work, all the everything that we'd done, it's just like, yeah, it just evaporated within a matter of moments. But again, it's like just another example of a huge privilege of what we do. And we want to be um, esteemed and traditional professionals all throughout. But, you know, just karma was there. Something was there just to just to just to knock us off. And, and yeah, that really that really put me off and uh, really embarrassing. But, you know, something that we could laugh about afterwards. But they, they were really gracious. They said, actually, the ambassador had said, good, good reason. That's why we took out insurance. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good point, though. You know, you have a claim like that. You know, it's, it's good to have the insurance, right? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just don't want to have that written on the POD when you'd hand it back to the agency. It was all good, just unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> most important things got smashed to smithereens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 all it's all good. It, it was all good in the end. We 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 still hold the contract for that embassy, so it's all it's all good. And you're not going to tell me which embassy it is. No, uh, no, 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 no. I didn't figure. I I had to ask. Ben, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed hearing your stories and uh, we're going to get this up on the podcast. I'll let you know when it's live. Good stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Hope you have a great afternoon. I'm joined today by Will Kohutik, who is our manager of marketing and communications. Uh, thanks, Will, for joining me today. You're welcome, Carl. Hi, everybody. Uh, Will, I just listed your title, but can you tell us a little about what you do for IAM? Uh, I manage our marketing and our communications. <laughs> well, that, that which, settles that. <laughs> which means that I'm primarily the editor of the Portal magazine, uh, which comes out every two months. Uh, and also I work with all of our different programs and um, departments to market our services to our members. So something recently you, you sent out was... Um, uh, well, the announcement of the Portal Magazine was one of the most recent things. <laughs> so we'll start with that one. Yeah. Um, so we just published our second ever digital only edition of the Portal. Uh, the decision was made by the Board of Directors this year to go digital only. So we have scrapped the print edition, uh, which is actually, uh, it, it's been a benefit for all of our members, I think. I agree. You know, being able to, I mean, first of all, sharing it around the office, you know, the members used to get, what was it, three copies, I think, per company? Either one copy or three, depending on your membership level. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And with everyone, well, many people working from home, it's become increasingly difficult to share that print issue if it even reaches your office on time. If you're outside the U.S., it could, it could have taken two weeks to two months uh, for that issue to travel to you. Um, so we have, we've ditched all the expense, all the environmental impact, uh, and all the, the waiting for postage, uh, that went with the print edition. And I believe we've ended up with a better magazine because now we can put more into it. Um, so more content from our members, more content about our members, uh, and about our programs as well. We just published our long, our longest 
largest or longest, however you want to put it, uh, issue of the Portal Magazine at 116 pages. That's our May-June issue for 2021. So that's what the announcement was about. That's right. I remember it very well. Yeah, yeah. The uh, um, the yeah, and I think that's pretty amazing that uh, being able to go online means. Well, first of all, I mean, you like you said, you know, we just released the largest issue ever, and it, you know, other than I don't want to discount your time and effort and uh, you know the the uh, the graphic designer's time and effort, but uh, you know, discounting that since I'm doing that anyhow, I guess. Uh, you know, the, there's no extra cost to putting in extra pages. Is that correct? Exactly. So we're not limited to the four-page signatures that you get in a, a printed magazine, which means it has to be in multiples of four pages, or you're paying for paper that's just being thrown away at the printer. Um, so we're not limited in the number of pages we have to reach or limit ourselves to. And if we add extra pages, it doesn't cost us any more to get it to our members than it did at one page. Yeah, I think that's a great opportunity. Plus, the um, the advertisers can get real stats, I understand. They can, because now we have statistics attached to everything in the magazine. So page views, clicks on the links in your ads, uh, clicks on the links in our editorial, uh, all, those, um, all those views, all those actions, uh, number of times an article has been shared. We can measure all of those things now. Yeah, and that's pretty incredible. That that uh, delivers great value back to our readers and and to, uh, advertisers. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, Will, you know, you talked a lot about what you do here, and um, what? How did you get to IAM? Uh, what What was the path that led you here? Uh, it was a long and and circuitous and yet crooked path. Um. <laughs> uh, are you me? <laughs> Oh, before IAM, I had worked for two others associate two other associations. One was a veteran service organization, and one was a professional association. So IAM, being a trade association, is a, different in some ways from those other two. Uh, so that rounds out my association experience. Yes. Uh, before that, I worked as a, a web programmer and developer, uh, and designer, um, and. Let's see. It's hard to explain how I got from one to the other, but basically the first association I worked for, I began as the web guy, <laughs> in quotes around that. Uh, and then my department manager uh, left for another association and I applied for her spot. So I found myself in charge of uh, communications and design. Very cool. Now, what was your first job? My first job, uh, well, after high school anyway, uh, was working as the textbook manager for a university bookstore. Very cool. Did, did you enjoy that? At the same time. I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. Oh, and I was working as a barista most evenings at the same time. At Starbucks? I'm sorry, take that back. At one of those large coffee conglomerates? No, it was a mom and pop store. And we oh. actually had bumper stickers that said, friends don't let friends go to Starbucks. <laughs> what about, did, did you work during high school? Uh, I did. It was difficult to find work where I lived because I wasn't able to drive yet and we were pretty rural. Yeah. Uh, most of the work I could get involved uh, tossing hay bales onto wagons in a field, uh, cutting the grass around fences, staining board fences, lovely things like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, see, I didn't know that about you. I, yeah, that I know that's that's hot, uh, dirty work, especially in the summer. So especially when you're when you're 15 and 
maybe not the strongest kid out there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so what's our, I know that was a long time ago and you've done a lot of things since, but what have you carried forward from those early years, uh, you know, throwing around hay bales and, and stuff like that? Uh, well, definitely from the hay bales, if at first you don't succeed, try again, because I didn't always get enough lift on those things. For the, <laughs> uh, but you just keep at it. And sometimes you have to chase the wagon with your 70 pound hay bale, but eventually you get it up there. Yeah. Yeah, and I suspect that uh, you know your first summer or uh, first experience doing that, you said you weren't the most fit uh, young lad, but you probably were toward the end when you stopped doing that. <laughs> I did notice a difference. Yeah, you good. It would be a good summer job for me right now. <laughs> well, you know, uh, do you want me to call Mary? Yeah, I, I could put in a good word for you for getting another job, but <laughs> I'll let you know about that. Coach. We'll take that offline. <laughs> okay. So what, what are some of your goals? I mean, I know we're already well into 2021. We're almost halfway through at the end of next month, but what are some of the, some of the big goals that you have? We, we took them, or I shouldn't say we, you took the magazine online. And um, what are some of the other goals that you have for this year at IAM? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's always interesting trying to get our um, list of um, marketing activities, emails, social media posts uh, under control um, with so many programs that we're working on at the same time. Um, I try to keep things scheduled so that the members aren't bombarded constantly with emails. Uh, and yet that still remains the best way to get in touch with people and get their attention. So um, my goal for this year is just to um, make those campaigns as informative and yet brief uh, as possible. Yeah, you know, you bring up uh, that email is really the best way to get in front of people, and certainly for the large international audience we have. Uh, but on a on a separate topic, I was uh, recently on a call with someone who said that, um, and I had read this before that direct mail is coming back as a marketing tool because everyone's so overrun with uh, emails and stuff like that on top of the spam you get every day and the stuff you have to weed out for work that uh, direct mail's coming back. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if we would ever do that uh, here at IAM, certainly probably not for something timely that the whole membership needs to know about. But, uh, no, but it might be helpful in some more limited formats. Uh, it's not a good format for international mailers because yeah. just like the magazine, it can take months or you know, a post office somewhere might just decide not to deliver it for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. We've had lots of complaints about that over the years. I never got my portal magazine. I never got the, the member directory, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, I think it could have some utility in, um, in ramping up our domestic asset-based mover program, uh, which for now is, uh, is a U.S.-based program, um, which targets many of our larger members and potential members in the U.S. Uh, so that's Mailing within one geographical area, I think, is um, is an effective way to reach some people that might see too many emails from us and not want to look at them all. And if if that takes off, it's something we could potentially use in other geographical areas as well. Let's get a little personal, Will. All right. What's uh, who's someone that you've always looked up to? Someone you other you've always admired, except other than Chuck and me. <laughs> 
I think one of the people I looked up to most uh, in history is um, the Civil War general, Ulysses Grant. Uh, started out in a fairly junior position um, and he led his, his side, the, the United States, to complete and total victory over their rebellious southern states. He campaigned in every single theater, always knew where his men were, always kept them supplied. He was a great war leader and also a great president afterwards. Right. And something, uh, you know, this isn't the war war history podcast, but something really interesting about that. It will be if you keep me on here long enough. <laughs> Yeah, something really interesting about uh, leaders like him is that, like you said, you know, they knew where everyone was, what they were doing, gave them what they needed to be successful. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, even if someone like that isn't engaged in every conflict or every, um, you know, if you want to think about it on a business level, you're not doing every single thing, you know, like Chuck isn't doing everything, every single thing at the office here, um, even though he claims to, I think, uh, <laughs> You know, he, uh, he he at least knows and, you know, uh, you know, people like that know that, you know, what's going on and how to support it and how to how to steer people toward what they need to do. That's right. He knows all of our programs. He knows what each of us are working on and what we need to keep those programs successful. Yeah, uh, I, I hear by name uh, Chuck White, the honorary uh, Ulysses S. Grant for the office. <laughs> so we'll have to make that. I'll put that in the portal this week. Are you reading any books now? Are you reading any war history books or anything else? Actually, I'm reading Winston Churchill's 12 volume of uh, the history of World War II. All at the same time? I, I tend to read things in sequence usually. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, that could be really good multitasking. No, I'm actually in the second book of the series right now. Uh, it's called The Twilight War. That involves the period between um, Germany's attack on Poland and when the war started up for real on the Western Front. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. You know, if you're reading twelve volumes of this, <laughs> what, what's your what would you say is your superpower strength? Uh, definitely the written word. Mm -hmm. Like you'll hear me in this interview, I stumble a little bit. You know, I'm I'm not a debate team captain. But if you give me long enough, I love to write. Uh, I love to make other people look good when I write, especially our members. I just really enjoy putting words together. Great. Yeah, I mean, you, you do have a, a good talent for wordification. <laughs> I'm wordly. <laughs> so, but on that topic, you mentioned making members, the members look good. Um, what, can, uh, what can members do to help you do that for them? Uh, writing complete sentences. No, I'm kidding. That's part of my job, honestly. If you don't, it's fine. But as, as far as what they can do, it's, it's all in the details. And I'm not talking about grammar, but I'm talking about when you submit a story, especially to the portal, uh, to any of our uh, publications, even to our social media, tell the whole story. Our readers love to know details about um, how you did this amazing move or, or how you accomplished this seemingly impossible task. Uh, those are the kinds of things that I love to get uh, my hands on and put out there in the magazine for everyone to read. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point, you know, about telling the full story. I saw something 
um, by, this is a few handful of years ago. I think it was something Ben Shiner put on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, he said, he was showing, he was telling the story of how he moved. And I don't know what it was like a, a statue or a piano or like something very large and heavy, how he had to get that from the back of the house. Uh, it, and these are, I think are a big row house or, or apartment building or something like that. So it wasn't on the ground floor, but how do you get that from where it was all the way out to where the truck was? And they had to actually uh, hire a crane, you know? And, and so I, something I, I thought was, that was cool about that was, you know, he, he told what he did, but then he said, this is how we had to do it. And, you know, it took a, a seven person team and, you know, so many of this type of tool and we had to hire the crane and, all this stuff. Exactly. We ran a story, I think, two issues ago in the portal now about um, <clears throat> a large art installation that was moved from one from one uh, property in the New York area to another. Uh, and they went into detail about how the roads were not good enough uh, and it went through too much private property. So they had to hire helicopters and how they went about getting the helicopters and you know just all the details of this move they did. Uh, it's another great thing about the digital um, format is that I did not have to cut half of those paragraphs out because we had a um, we had a page limit to meet. I was able to put the whole story in there, and that's that's the kind of thing that I really like to share with everyone. I, I think the real the first step though is people have to send us stuff, right? You know, whether it's for social media or for the magazine or. What well, happened? really, the first step is we have to tell people to send us stuff or ask people <laughs> to send us stuff. Yeah. And then they have to open and read the email. And then they have to decide that they have something that they want to send us. And then they have to put it together. Yeah. So it, several steps. You know, something I think makes an interesting move story is, and maybe, and I think you'd agree. And, and if you don't, that's all right. You can tell me I talk to my hat. But um, something I think makes a great move story is whenever something doesn't go super smoothly and how you, how you fixed it or, or this thing doesn't fit through the door because it was built inside, you know, and so how do you, how do you deal with that? You know, how do you move big things or awkward things? You know, how did you, how did you accomplish the task? Exactly. Build a tool, you know, or, or have to create an extra set of steps or... <laughs> And, and the steps that, it, that went into the decision-making process uh, that achieved the final result. Oh yeah, totally. Well, I think we're, uh, we're at the point where I asked you to prepare something for me, which is uh, two truths and a lie. And you're gonna try to, this is what they call uh, a game called Stump the Chump, where I'm, you're gonna try to stump me. I guess that's not a good name if I, <laughs> you know, if I like I myself. I say that, but yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so so tell me tell me something of uh two truths and a lie about yourself okay three things about myself um <clears throat> firstly i was captain of my university golf team uh secondly i have brewed an award-winning beer and thirdly i learned to fly an airplane before i learned to drive a car huh well uh, the beer i i know that you're a fellow brewer and you've been in a number of um, I was going to say a number of brew clubs, but I don't know, maybe we were just in a brew club that was really big. It's certainly a known one in this area. It is. Yeah. 
So I'm going to guess, and don't correct me yet, uh, I'm going to guess that that is correct. Uh, the airplane, you said before you learned to drive a car? That's right. I'd say that's potentially believable. Captain of the golf team, I'm going to say that is correct, and the airplane one is not. What, what, what are you saying? Did, did, I, did you stump me? Uh, well, there's no fair way to tell you this. Uh, but no, I mean, yes, I did stump you. Okay, so now you're flip-flopping your answer. You said no, and then you said yes. Well, it was a confusing question, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the fact is that I'm, I am not good at all at golf. Okay. I enjoy going to the driving range, but I'm just not a good player. But my dad had a Cessna 150, which he kept at a friend's... Uh, in a barn actually on a friend's grass field. And I learned to fly that before I ever got behind the wheel of a car. Very cool. Did you actually learn how to take off and land and stuff? I did. Landing was uh, was kind of, it was stressful. But the I, rest I of it was great and I loved it. Yeah, my dad used to fly those tiny planes. And I went up and he did it for gosh, 20 years possibly. And, and I went up with him one time and I decided that's it. I'm not, I don't need to be in one of those again because it felt like a controlled crash. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sort of looks like that. Yeah. Because you can't, at least in, in, a, in a plane with a prop sitting there in front of you, when you're in the landing <laughs> position, you can't really see the runway anymore. So you have to really know exactly when the wheels are about to touch to get mm -hmm. it into the right attitude. And if you add in a side wind, that's just extra fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they say that um, a good landing is one everyone walks away from, and a great landing is one where you can reuse the equipment. So, <laughs> my dad used to say the same. Oh, really? <laughs> well, Will, I appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on the podcast, and hopefully, we'll have you on again uh, as we lead up to the hopefully, you know, the next issue of the magazine. Or did you want to give a plug for that now? What stories you're looking for? Well, what we're looking for in the July-August issue of the uh, 2021. Portal Magazine is stories from our young professionals um, about how their how they and their companies have um, adapted, especially during this period of, of COVID and the lockdown and so forth, ways they've found to adapt to the changing business rules and uh, regional and national laws and restrictions, um, what they've done with their companies during those times. Um, and where they see them going in the near future. Very cool. I, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of uh, stories on that. I hope we do. Because again, you know, we we're talking about moving weird stuff, you know, non-standard boxes and things. Yeah, you know, this is sort of like the same thing. How do you improvise, adapt, and overcome? Exactly. Well, Will, thanks again for uh, joining me. And I'm sure I will see you on a Zoom call of another sort within 24 hours. Too soon, my friend. <laughs> okay. Cheers. All right. Take care. Okay. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Thank you for listening to the IAM podcast. If there's ever anything you need from IAM, you can contact us at membership at iamovers.org or contact us by going to the contact us page on the IAM website at iamovers.org. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next time.